The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. And her last words to me were, I just want to go home. Wow. wow. And as she made that statement, I heard a horrendous crash. December 17, 1996, Ricky Tejada's wife, Deborah, was killed by a drunk driver. I shouted at God and I said, what more do they need? He has a 0.18 blood alcohol level and I have a dead wife. Find out how Ricky's breaking point became God's turning point. Don't you tell me you're glad I can't see you. <laughs> I have many people say that, James. We watch you every morning, but I'm so glad that you can't see us. <laughs> now, you can watch us all through the day. If you have never checked all the different satellite channels you can get us on, all the different local channels, I suggest you do it. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to Life Today. Mike Hayes is a good friend who pastors Covenant Church in Dallas. I have preached there at their conferences. We share common concerns, and we really do believe that we know the answer and it's found in the person Christ. Now they have a branch of the Covenant Outreach Churches, Covenant Church in Colleyville. Betty and I have lived in Colleyville before anyone heard about it. It was just like a big old pasture. We've, we've actually been in the Colleyville area for over 40 years and uh, we've watched Colleyville and South Lake develop. Well, the church where um, our, our guest, Ricky, is, is pastoring uh, is a branch of the, the Covenant in Dallas and I'm just thrilled to have them. Uh, the story, the journey, no one would want to go through. As a matter of fact, most people would say, that's curtains, well, you finished. Uh, how do you make it? And how do you really go on and have a meaningful, joy-filled life when you've lost the love of your life because someone was drunk and took them out? Uh, Ricky and Sid Tejada are here. I want you to hear the story. Would you welcome them to life today, please? I, uh, I just want you to tell us what happened because here you are about to be, I think, placed in the new church situation. Mike is, uh, has seen that you've got a real touch of God. Tell us what happened. Well, it was uh, December the 17th and Pastor Mike walked into Deborah's office. She was the membership services director. I was a small group ministry director. And he says, we're going, uh, we've been in a meeting all day today and in the first part of the new year, we're going to ordain you as pastors in the ministry. Well, we were super excited about that. We'd been a part of Covenant Church for almost nine years, never dreamed in our lives that we would, number one, be a pastors on a church as dynamic as Covenant. And number two, it was never really our aspirations to, uh, to become a pastor. But when Pastor Mike said that our hearts were filled with joy, and uh, we begin to just reminisce over all of the things that we'd gone through. And it was an exciting, exciting evening. We went into a meeting, uh, conducted the last meeting of what would be that year. We were on our way home. By the way, how long had you been married? You and We'd been married up to that time, 10 and a half years. We met when we were freshmen in college, so we were together 15 years. We both gave our heart to the Lord our first semester in college. That's great. Dated the full four and a half years and then were married after I graduated from uh, college. 
And so we were on our way home and Deborah begins to recap our lives. She talked about the places we had been, the people we had helped uh, live in our home. And then I asked her about a cup of gumbo. Being from Louisiana, we never take an opportunity to pass up a good cup of gumbo uh, that had been prepared by one of our friends. And I looked to her as I was preparing to make a left turn. And I said, Deborah, do you want to stop by Pat and Mike's house to get a cup of gumbo? We don't have to stay. She said, we can just pick it up and keep going. And her last words to me were, I just want to go home. Wow. wow. And as she made that statement, I heard a horrendous crash. And uh, because it was 10 o'clock at night, I didn't know what happened. I felt like I was floating. And when I came to, not sure if I was knocked out or not, because at time I couldn't measure it, I was leaning to the right in my seat. I looked to my right for Deborah, who was in the passenger's seat, and she wasn't there. And I looked over my right shoulder, and she was in the back seat. The force of the impact, and I guess the, the, the spin of the car, that momentum actually flipped her all the way into the back seat. And when I saw her, she was just sitting back there as if that's where she had been riding. Her head was down. She was not conscious. But I saw blood pouring out of her mouth. And I knew right then and there, I need a miracle. I couldn't see anything externally, so I knew it was all internally. I forced my way out of the car, walked around, put my left hand on her back, and I said to her, hang in there, baby. You're going to make it. Mm -hmm. Hang in there. You're going to make it. Now, the reason why I said that was because I was hearing Pastor Mike's words that had just been spoken five hours earlier. You're going to be ordained as pastors. And I was saying, God, it can't end right here because you spoke to my pastor today and said that this is what our future looks like. And uh, I say to people in that accident scene, whether it was shock or the grace of God, and I'm going to call it the grace of God, uh, James and Betty, I was never afraid, never afraid of the outcome. I was confident that this was just a little blip on the map and that God would raise her up. And I know what that confidence feels like, but that's not what happened. No, we went to the hospital and she fought for the better part of two hours for her life. I had a fractured shoulder. And so the doctor said to us, you have to be separated because you might have internal injuries. And uh, while we were separated, I was in the room by myself. The doctor came in and he says, she's got multiple skull fractures. We've done all that we can. All we can do now is wait because we can't manage the swelling on the brain. And again, I said to the doctor, doctor, do what you can to keep her alive, but God is going to do what he's got to do. Mm -hmm. Again, speaking and proclaiming words of faith. And it wasn't long after that declaration to the doctor that Pastor Mike slowly opens the door and our eyes meet and his eyes tell me everything that I don't want to hear. And he says, Ricky, Deborah, Deborah's gone. And it was, I've shared that if I could describe for a thousand years the pain, there, there is no way to adequately describe it. But there was an amazing thing that in the midst of that, 
through those tears and as Pastor Mike and some of the other pastors begin to approach the bed, I just begin to just raise my hands up to the Lord and I begin to worship. I begin to just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, I worship you. That's a miracle. And people would say, why in the world would you do that? And uh, my assessment is I had looked around the room and I knew that nobody there standing there could help me. So I turned to the one that I knew this is where my help is going to come from. This is where my strength is going to come to. So I worshiped the Lord. And through those tears, I worshiped and I made two declarations. The first declaration was, devil, you've come to kill, steal, and destroy. And tonight, this is your doing. And I'm serving notice now. I'm going to serve God. I'm not turning my back on him. I'm going to live for him with a passion and you're going to pay. Mm. And that really is the approach we have to take. We have to let the enemy know whatever you think you've effectively hammered us or hit us with, we will use it against you and you'll regret in the day. Now, you experienced a miracle. So tell me what happened. And now you, you've married this beautiful woman. Yes. And I know that she stepped into what could have been a very difficult challenge. Tell us how this it relationship is an amazing journey. So from December to August, I lived in a, a dark hole. There were days of depression, days of loneliness, days of fear, afraid about my future because everything that Deborah and I had for 15 years, we had planned our lives all the way till we were old and grandkids <laughs> running around our feet. So when she died, my entire future was erased. So I lived in fear for my future. Well, on August the 10th, I'm sitting on the front row and God shows me a glimpse of, of my future. And I asked him for two things. The man I saw in the future was, was a, a lot different than the man I was in that moment. And I said, I need you to change my mind. I want to see people, places, and things the way you do. I want your perspective. And then I said, I want you to take off these old garments and I want you to put on new garments. And, and here's what I'm, I'm telling you. I'm, I mean this. I mean it to the point that I won't take another bite of food until you do that. So I walked out of that service, not having declared that with my mouth, only in my heart. And I vowed that I wouldn't eat. And then on August the 17th, seven days later, I'm standing next to Pastor Mike we're doing our pre-service prayer, and he says, I've got a word from the Lord for you. The Lord says the past was good, the future's better. When you look on the past, there's now no more pain because you have allowed my joy to become your strength. And the Lord says he's heard your prayer. He's going to change your mind. He's going to let you see people, places, and things like he does. And he's taken off those old garments. And then he went on to say some other things, but he finished that prophetic word by saying, today is the day of new beginnings. <laughs> and on that day, across town, <laughs> Keith Craft, who was at that time a traveling evangelist, sure. was speaking at Sid's church. And I'll let Sid take it from there. He was speaking at my church, and I was leading worship that day. And we had gone to the same university, so I knew of Ricky and Deborah. I always saw them together. So I had heard from other college friends that Deborah had died in a car accident. As a matter of fact, I heard Deborah and their children. And so I knew there were no children, but that's the rumor mill. And so with Keith being at our church that day speaking, I said, hey, do you attend Covenant Church? He said, I do. I said, do you know Ricky Tejada? And he said, I do. You know, he's single again. I said, oh, no, no. I, I'd heard, <laughs> I heard that he lost his wife and children in an accident. He says, oh, no, no children. But he did lose his wife in a car accident. He says, but you know what? 
I'm going to have Ricky call you. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I was just asking about him. I, knew, I didn't know him well enough yeah. to yeah, sure. get in touch with him and offer sure. my condolences or anything. But he just was determined, I'm going to get him to call you. And I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, so it was about two months. It's quite a call. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. <laughs> so the 10th, I get the vision. The 17th, I get the prophetic word, new beginnings. God's already working parallel mm -hmm. with Keith and Sid. The 24th, he's now back at Covenant. He mentions her name. I get mad because I'm 14 days without food. I'm not interested in a woman, not interested in a wife, not interested in a girlfriend. But he says, brother, God has used me to connect four other people together in relationship. And the same anointing I felt for them, I feel it for you and this girl. You've got to call her. And I said, I won't. And he says, you're going to turn me into a liar. <laughs> so I made the call. Two, almost two months later. And, you know, during that time frame, even though I was not interested when Keith initially said it, you know, because he told me, I'm going to have him call you, and he hadn't called me, I had thought one time at least, I thought, I wonder why he didn't call. <laughs> you know, so two months later, then he calls, and we talk on the phone for about three hours. Three and a half hours. And I'm not a phone talker. So <laughs> I just, God was working there. So that was August, uh, October the 7th, I called her. October the 11th, I invite her to dinner. April the 11th, we were married, six months to the day. Wow. Six months to the day. And now long, how long have you been married now? We've been married now 16 years. Absolutely. And had two well, wonderful sons. I think it's important that we didn't actually say that he, he, she was actually killed in that accident by a drunk driver. Yes. And then that story becomes another, I think, interesting aspect of what God did. Tell us what happened there, because the way you all are ministering together now is a miracle. you agree? Yes. You've actually walked through his restoration mm -hmm. and the walk out with the Lord. She's been a big part of it. Hasn't yes, she has. And that, that's a big, big call. Yes. And it, it takes grace, doesn't it? I think it's the grace of God, for sure. What happened with this, this man? So the gentleman, I, I didn't know what had happened until the police officer told me in the hospital that it was a drunk driver had gone through the light. And from that moment, I began to say, I forgive him. I forgive this guy. I'm not going to hold it against him. This is the devil's doing. And I had that as my proclamation for the next month and a half, almost two months, until I walk into my house on a Tuesday night. There's a letter from the district attorney's office. I knew they had charged him with vehicular homicide. Well, the letter reads this. We are sorry to inform you that this case has been submitted to a grand jury and the grand jury has determined that there is insufficient evidence to indict him of vehicular homicide. And in that moment, the rage, the anger, the unforgiveness, the bitterness that I had no idea was in me because my confession and profession was something completely different. I shouted at God and I said, what more do they need? He has a 0.18 blood alcohol level, and I have a dead wife. And the rage that, that overcame me in that moment, I realized then that if I could have gotten next to that guy, that, that I might be in the Texas Department of Corrections. I had no idea it was there. So I called my good friend Gordon Banks over, and he listens to me uh, talk, and we cry together, and then he comes with these words of wisdom. He says, uh, when man judges a matter, he might get it right because he only has limited perspective. He knows some of the past, he knows some of the present, but he doesn't know the future and he doesn't know how the decision today is going to play out in the future. He says, but when God judges a matter, he gets it right every time. And he says, so you've got a decision here tonight. You have a choice. You can sit as this guy's judge or you can let God be his judge. 
And of course he says, and if you remain his judge, you know who's going to lose in this proposition. You will be the loser. And that night I made a decision. I'm going to get off the throne of judgment and I'm going to turn him over to the Lord. And whatever happens from here going forward, that's between the Lord and the judicial process. Now you did find out that that was not all accurate information. That exactly. You got. I got on the phone the next day, called the DA's office. I got call from uh, uh, transferred from one person to another. And the next thing, the person who finally came on, they said, Mr. Tejada, we are so sorry. We have no idea how you received that letter. This case has not even been assigned to an attorney. Oh, and when they said that, I started laughing and I pointed to the throne <laughs> And I said, God, you set me up. <laughs> I didn't know what was in my heart. Wow. And now then you did forgive him. I forgave him. And you let him know he was forgiven and yes. he was broken. Yes. And now he did get sentenced and then he has an extended parole. Yes. Let me just say that this story is a miracle. It's a continuing miracle. And the story is well told in my breaking point, God's turning point. I know that they could get the book in the bookstores. Do you have an online site that they could say if we wanted to get it for some friends and so forth? Yes. Where would they go? RickyTejada.com. All right. You see it there on the screen. But I will say this to you. If you say, you know, this story, I think it'd be a healing factor in my life or someone I know. We would be more than happy to send it to you. You know that we, we ask you to be someone's healing factor. And, and you can be and you want to be. But if you'd like to have the book, as you say, you know, we're going to touch someone with love, we would ask you to send us a book. Would you say thanks uh, to Sid and to Ricky for sharing their journey and the marvelous testimony of God's sufficiency and His grace. May I show you something right now that is going to move you very deeply. I think sometimes when you watch life today and you listen to a story and then we say, I want to show you something, some of you say, oh, you're going to want me to help someone. Now think about this. What if you were the person that really needed someone to notice? Would you be the noticer? Would you notice as Jesus notices? I really think when you see this precious girl, you're going to say, I want to be the arms of Jesus in that situation. And you can be. Watch. In the Hausa language, her name means joyful. But a name isn't always a destiny. Farah has experienced very little joy in her brief life. Her mother and father brought her from the other side of Africa to Madagascar when she was only a child. But when she was 15, the contaminated water they are forced to drink killed both of her parents, leaving her an orphan. Alone, afraid, and utterly vulnerable, young Farah immediately found herself the target of sex traffickers. Her life became a joyless nightmare. Mm -hmm. 
When she became pregnant, those who had abused and enslaved her simply threw her away. Thus, the cherished young son she now cares for was a double blessing. Not only did his arrival give her a pathway to freedom, it gave her a reason to live, but also a reason to worry. The dream of clean water means everything to young Farah and the infant son who has her only joy in life. Farah is crying out for help. Today, that cry reached your ears. The question is, will that cry now reach your heart? Betty, what do you think? It's reached my heart. You know, I think of that precious young girl, and now she's caring for her own child, and she's having to give her own flesh and blood, her baby, the same water that killed her parents. What choice does she have? You have to have water to even survive a few days. And so there she is in the same situation with her own baby and not knowing what to do. But yet there is hope if we will reach out and make that difference. We can help drill those water wells, James. I know you and I, I, I mean, we, we help with them because it's so important that we be a part of giving somebody an opportunity of life. But it's been the, the most focused thing that we've done other than just share opportunities to love people. Uh, we have focused on that. And it's been our joy to actually, in some situations, just say to the mission team, Betty and I, We'll drill a well there because we've asked God to let us do it. And uh, we, we're, we're, we're a part of that. But here, here's the thing you need to understand. When you take 500 areas that the missionaries are pointed out, and that's one of the examples, and you take all those areas, the situation is that way. But we can't begin to do that. I, there's, I don't know that there's anyone watching who, who could do 500. By the way, if you are, why don't you make it a matter of prayer? Because I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it and show you how we might take it into drilling thousands of wells if people who have great means would just have that heart. What, what you heard there from the, the mission worker, uh, you know, referring you to the, the situation, uh, it's reached your ears, but will it reach your heart? And then does it go to action? You know, it's so easy to say we care, but we don't share. And, and there has to be a compassion connection for the change to, to take place. The missionaries are there, People just like you have helped us purchase the drilling equipment and the drilling rigs, a number of them. And we're asking you then to send us in and, and enable them to go to these different areas and to have the means and all the equipment, the pipe, the drilling, the, the fuel, the petrol, everything they need to drill, to case it, to give them the pump that they need that's manual because they don't have electricity in so many of these remote areas. Would you simply today go online, lifetoday.org, just go there, and, and just say, I'm going to give today with my bank card. So often you, you do things that make it easy for you to shop or get something you need or something to make a gift with. But today you're giving the gift of life. Now keep this in mind. 
the wells are $4,800. You can call the number there on the screen and say, I want to make a gift. Use your bank card like a check. That's how you should use it. But $4,800 is what they cost. Could you drill one or a part of one with $1,200 or $2,400? Pray others match it. Please, please keep in mind that if you make a gift of, of $48, you are giving 10 people water the rest of their life. $144, you're giving 30 people water the rest of their life. There's a level at which everyone can reach out and say, I give a cup of water, a well of water in Jesus' name. Father, I pray everyone who can help will move right now to action and give in your name life in Jesus' name. Thank you for going lifetoday.org or dial that number and say, I want to make this gift. Thank you for doing it. Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the Everyday A New Day devotional. Broken out into the four seasons of the year, this daily devotional features scriptures, inspirational thoughts, a Bible reading plan, and a place for you to journal each day. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request the Names of Jesus pen set, one inscribed with the names of Jesus found in Scripture, and the other reflecting the gifts of the Spirit. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people, or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well, and request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. Betty and I just, from the bottom of our heart, thank you for your response. If you ever dial the number, because a lot of people are calling for someone to pray with them, and you get a busy, be determined to get through to help or go online and make that gift. If you'd like to have my breaking point because you believe the experience that the Tejadas have gone through would be somehow a healing factor in someone's life, your own or someone else's, feel free to ask for it too. I want to say thanks very, very much. Ricky, thank you, Sid. Would you say thanks to Ricky and Sid for having me? Praise, praise God for his healing and restoration. Thank you so much for watching Life Today. I really hope you'll encourage others to watch. By the way, go on stream.org. Right now, go stream.org. We're going to bless you and you bless us.
Marriage is very valuable to God. So we need to learn how to fight for it, not against it. John and Lisa Bevere, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.